Welcome to Revival from the Bible, a daily devotional podcast designed to help more people get into God's Word and get more out of the Word. I'm Ben Blakey. It's Friday, October 21st, 2022. The sequel is never better than the original. At least, that is how the conventional thinking goes. Uh, Some movies, maybe you even hear someone mention a sequel and you say, I didn't even know they made a sequel to that movie. Oh, well, it went straight to DVD. That's how bad they knew it was going to be. They didn't even release it in theaters. Unfortunately, that's how many people feel about the book of Jonah. You say, there's a sequel to the book of Jonah? I didn't even know that. Well, it didn't go straight to DVD. It's right there in your Bibles. And it's called the book of Nahum. And that's what we want to look at today. And we want to realize that Jonah is way more famous. I mean, it's just one of those stories that fits well in the picture Bible for kids, right? That the prophet who runs away and gets swallowed up by a whale. Nahum maybe doesn't translate to that context as well, but it is still in the Bible. And we need to make sure that we do not overlook this book as if it's some lame sequel. This is the inspired word of God. And there are things that God wants you to learn from the book of Nahum. Now, why am I calling the book of Nahum Jonah 2? Well, where was Jonah called to go and prophesy the city of Nineveh. Where is the focus of the book of Nahum? It's all about Nineveh and the Assyrians. So this is one of the prophets that is focused not on the nation of Israel or the nation of Judah, but the prophet Nahum is focused on on uh, the city of Nineveh, which was the the center of the empire of the Assyrians. And what we see in Jonah is Jonah goes and he prophesies uh, coming judgment for the city of Nineveh and the people repent. But in Nahum, now we see after substantial time has passed, God's judgment is going to come to the city of of Nineveh. And so you see right there in verse one, it makes it clear. It says an oracle concerning Nineveh, the book of the vision of Nahum of Elkosh. And then it talks about uh, God and the judgment he is going to bring to Nineveh. And you'll see why this doesn't uh, exactly um, translate maybe to the children's Bible as well. When the first verse is the Lord is a jealous and avenging God. The Lord is avenging and wrathful. The Lord takes vengeance on his adversaries and keeps wrath for his enemies. Uh, Maybe some of those concepts should be taught more to our children as these are in the word of God. But then you also see verses like chapter three, verse six, it says, behold, I am against you, declares the Lord of hosts and will lift up your skirts over your face. And I will make nations look at your nakedness and kingdoms at your shame. I will throw filth at you and treat you with contempt and make you a spectacle. And all who look at you will shrink from you and say, wasted is Nineveh. Who will grieve for her? Where shall I seek comforters for you? So you see there some pretty graphic terms. God talking about lifting their skirts over their face and making nations look at their nakedness. All right. This is, these are intense words 
of judgment. And there's three main things that I want you to get from your reading of the book of Nahum today. And the first is uh, really just a warning at how much God hates sin. Consider those verses that I've already read. Uh, God hates sin. And even just this idea of God being jealous and avenging. I want you to specifically use the book of Nahum as a ballast in your fight against temptation today and this week. As you are tempted to sin in whatever way that might be, tempted to be bitter towards somebody, tempted to give in to a lustful uh, thought, tempted to blow up in anger, tempted to, to do something and to compromise in some way that you know isn't quite ethical. Let these words ring in your ears. The Lord is a jealous and avenging God. Uh, to, to let realities like that help us in our fight against sin, I think is a part of the concept of fearing the Lord. I like to give that often a, a working definition of it's living like God is who he says he is, this holy, awesome God, that he really he is real and that he is watching everything that we do. We, we should live life in the light of those realities. So whatever you're being tempted by today, remember the wrath of God against sin. And even if you think I'm, I'm being kind of too harsh here, consider Colossians chapter three, as it is telling us to put to death our sin and even talking about sexual immorality. Paul reminds them it's because of these things that the wrath of God is coming. Uh, so this is a concept that is all throughout the Bible, and we need to let the wrath of God be a real deterrent in our own lives against sin. Uh, okay, so that's the first thing I want you to get from Nahum. There's two others, and the good news is the, these ones will be a little more uplifting uh, maybe than the first one. But if you think the first one isn't uplifting, think about sin. Sin is not good. Anything that will help you in your fight against sin is uplifting. But let's get on to points two and three here. Uh, the, the second one is take comfort uh, really in the character of God. Uh, in the midst of all this wrath, we, we still see a the acknowledgement that God is a savior. Uh, verse seven of chapter one says, the Lord is good, a stronghold in the day of trouble. He knows those who take refuge in him. Uh, the scripture is very clear. Sin leads to wrath, but the scripture is always uh, very clear. There is hope in the Lord. Those that take refuge in the Lord will be saved. And so I want you to take personal comfort in that today, that, that you can know, I, I don't need to fear the, in the end, the wrath and the judgment of God, because I have turned from my sin to take refuge in the rock of ages. And I have a stronghold uh, in him. So take comfort in that today. And then the, the third thing I want you to see is another comforting note. Uh, take comfort that God will judge evil. We clearly see this is meant to be um, a comfort to God's people. This is a devastating message for the Ninevites, for the Assyrians, but it is meant to be a, a comforting word to God's people. Look at the end of chapter one, verse 15, behold, upon the mountains, the feet of him who brings good news, who publishes peace, 
Keep your feasts, O Judah. Fulfill your vows, for never again shall the worthless pass through you. He is utterly cut off. The reason why we're reading this right now is we have just read a lot. Consider um, how does the northern kingdom of Israel end the Assyrians? Who causes all this trouble? And what's the major drama that we read now repeatedly about with King Hezekiah? Well, the the Assyrians and King Sennacherib and this trash-talking Rabshakeh, right? So the Assyrians were a trouble to the people of God. And now that judgment is coming for them, that is good news for the people of God. And let that be an encouragement to you today. It's easy to look out at our world and there's no shortage of things to be concerned about. We think about our own nation and we see the forces of evil advancing an agenda that is completely against God and his word. Maybe you look around the world and you see other nations or rulers of nations that seem to be set on evil purposes in this world. And those things can be discouraging. Those things can be frustrating. Sometimes those things can be scary, but there is good news that God will ultimately deal with uh, those who work evil. And and that should be a comfort to God's people because sometimes those people, uh, they cause problems for God's people. There is persecution uh, that, that can happen in all kinds of contexts. And this is a reminder, no, God will eventually take care of those things. So as you read the sequel to the book of Jonah today, I hope you find it's it's a really good sequel. God has important things to teach us. Let's remember how God views sin and let's use that in our own fight against sin. Let's take comfort in the fact that there is salvation and rescue to be found in God. And let's also take comfort in the fact that he will judge evil and even the evil ones who oppress his people. That, that is not how the story will end. Let's go to our New Testament reading now, 1 Timothy chapter 5. And remember, these are what we refer to as the pastoral epistles. And so especially in chapter 5, you just get a lot of very practical instruction from the Apostle Paul to Timothy, who is going to keep going and being a pastor even after Paul dies. Uh, And and he's just giving him lots of practical instruction. So here you you see at the beginning, practical instruction on how Timothy, uh, still seemingly a somewhat young man in ministry, uh, as he rebukes older men, he he was not supposed to do it in the form of a rebuke, but to encourage him as you would a father and younger men as brothers. Hey, hey, uh, Timothy, you shouldn't be this brash rebuker, just calling everybody out all the time. Hey, there is work to do, but come alongside older men like you would a father. Come alongside younger men like you would a brother. Uh, Older women as mothers, younger women as sisters in all purity, Uh, right? Very practical instruction. And then the next couple paragraphs are very practical about how to care for widows. Scripture makes it clear uh, that is an important priority for Christians, orphans and widows. uh, We need to do what we can do to support people in those positions. And here he gives practical instructions specifically about widows. And part of that instruction is first and foremost, the first people that should care for a widow are her family. If she has family and where where that is not there or not possible, that is where the church can really step in. And even there, there's instructions why that should be for older widows, younger widows, that they should remarry is his encouragement there. Then you get some instruction there about leaders and how to honor leaders or how to respond if there is sin amongst leaders, not to um, be 
too quick to believe things, that there needs to be witnesses uh, to establish a charge against an elder. But the reality of sin, some sins are obvious and can be dealt with swiftly. Some appear later. And even you see practical instruction in verse 23, where he says, no longer drink only water, but use a little wine for the sake of your stomach and your frequent ailments. Uh, Just some very practical, personal advice from the Apostle Paul. And that's where we, we read all those things. It's important for us to understand them in our own context, but we see a lot of those things flow straight into us as we uh, seek to uh, speak to others in the church. That What great words for us. Hey, older men as fathers, younger men as brothers, same for the women, uh, instructions for us on how to care for widows, uh, how to deal with leadership in our church to honor those who should be honored or to deal with those who uh, need to be dealt with for for sin. Uh, So lots of practical instruction from God's word that, hey, a couple thousand years later is still true, still profitable and valuable for us. And, And even books that are older than that, going all the way back to the book of Nahum, a book that maybe some of you have never even read before or thought about before. I hope it makes a real difference in your life today. Thanks for digging into God's Word with me today on Revival from the Bible. For more resources, check out RevivalFromTheBible.com. To learn more about Compass Bible Church Treasure Valley, go to CompassBible.tv. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you.